before we jump into his word. God, thank you. Thank you for this awesome day. Thank you for the way that you are truly building this church. Not just numerically, Lord God, not just the growth that we're seeing, but the spiritual growth that we're seeing, the maturity that we're seeing. You're moving in people's lives, you're moving in people's heart, and we see it everywhere in the church. And we're so thankful for that. God, we're being serious about your word. We pray that your Holy Spirit would just continue to convict our hearts that we would own what you tell us, that we would apply what you're saying to us each Sunday through our Bible studies, our men's and women's groups, through the Blood Brothers, all these things that are going on, Lord, through our life groups. People's lives are being changed, and it's because of you. It's because of your Holy Spirit. We pray that would continue. Bless us as we spend this time together. Open up our hearts and allow us to apply your word to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so in John chapter 1, verses 35 through 51, it says this. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said to him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Now, what a great thing for someone to say about you. I mean, God, okay, the son of God, that's what he says about Nathanael. I always thought that just amazing. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than that. He then added, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Have you ever, have you ever decided to buy something or to go somewhere on the recommendation of someone else? 
someone, you know, came to you and said, oh, you should. Or have you ever you ever bought something or or went somewhere or tried something because of the recommendation of someone else? They they just got back from vacation. Right. And they love this vacation. And they said, oh, this was the great. You have got to go to this island. You have got to go to Disney World. You have got uh, it was wonderful. You've got to go. Or they went to a movie and they man, that was a great movie. That was one that you have to see this movie. You just have to go. You have to check it out. I know what kind of movies you you're just going to. I loved it. I know you're going to love it. I think that we are we are more likely, if you will, to try something recommended by someone that we know and trust over, say, someone we don't know and don't trust like a telemarketer. Just my opinion. I think we're more likely to do something, buy something, try something based upon someone's recommendation that we trust instead of someone that we don't trust. Think about the fact that maybe you're, you're one to invest, right? You're at the point in your life where you're saying, I need, I need some better investments. I need to invest my money. And, and who do you go to? What, what recommendation would you take? I would believe that most of you would take the recommendation of a friend that you know and trust when it comes to investments rather than going online and having something come up on your email from another country telling you if you just send $30,000, okay, I, I have diamonds, I have gold, I'm selling a small island, and you and I can do this together, just send me this money and you will be, it's worth $30 million. I'm sure that the recommendation of your trusted friend on how you should invest your money is going to be basically overridden, okay, rather than, or you're going to do it rather than go along with someone who, you know, you saw a spam email and thought, man, this is a good, this is, this guy's probably telling the truth, this will all work out. So as our story opens, we see John and two of his disciples, and then Jesus comes walking by. And Jesus walks by, John turns their attention, turns their focus, okay, on Jesus. He says in a loud voice, look, the Lamb of God. So he focuses their attention on Jesus, off of him and on to Jesus. So what do these disciples do next? When John tells them this, what do these disciples do? Well, they end up leaving John and they go and they go after Jesus. They follow Jesus. They leave John and they follow Jesus. Now, there are two, there are a couple of key truths here, okay, that we're going to learn from this passage. A couple of key truths about what it means to be a disciple, all right, and what it means to follow Jesus Christ. What does it mean to be a disciple and what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? Now, this is significant to our story. This is really significant. Based upon this whole recommendation idea. These guys don't just drop everything on a whim. That's important for us to understand. They're not dopey people. Okay. Hey look go follow him. They don't just drop everything and start following Jesus on a whim. They followed him because of John's testimony. Look, the Lamb of God, John says it, they have a relationship with them. They leave John and follow Jesus because of the relationship and the trust they have in John. 
It's all built on this relationship. They know John's character. They've spent time with John. They trust John. They were followers of John. He was their rabbi. He was their teacher. He was the one that they were listening to and following. And then John says, the Lamb of God. Look, the Lamb of God. And it says they begin to follow Jesus. And you think, well, why would they do that? Because of the testimony of the person that they trusted. One of, one of John's, one of the disciples, one of John's two disciples that were there was Andrew. All right? So John says to Andrew, look, the Lamb of God. Andrew begins to follow Jesus. What's the first thing then that Andrew does? So he begins to follow Jesus. The first thing that Andrew does is go and find the person who's he's cl- who he's closest to, which is his brother, Simon. So he goes and he finds Simon. Think about it. Simon was willing, okay, he was willing to consider getting to know Jesus because of the witness of his brother Andrew. That's why. Now, Simon would become Peter, right? Jesus said, you are, your name is Simon, Eusephus, which means Peter. Peter basically is one of the strongholds, if you will, one of the forces of the early church. Okay, so we all know who, for the most part, if you've been to church a couple of times, you know who Peter is, right? The rock. Peter, okay, was one of the strongest forces and powerful forces in the early church. And he follows after Jesus based upon the recommendation of his brother, Andrew. Andrew followed Jesus. First thing it says that Andrew did was go and find his brother, Simon, who is Peter, and says, hey, Hey, I found him. You've got to come. You've got to check this out. And there's another example. After meeting Jesus, okay, after, after Philip, Philip meets Jesus, all right, and after Philip meets Jesus, he then goes and finds his friend Nathaniel. He goes and gets Nathaniel. Now, Nathaniel, if you, if you read the text, Nathaniel's not really jazzed up about meeting Jesus because of where he's from. Nathaniel hears, hears this from Nazareth and goes, hey, what good could come out of Nazareth? So Nathaniel's not like, he says, oh, I have this Jesus, he's from, you know, the one that he spoke about and from Nazareth. And, and, and Nathaniel's like, you know, I had a long day. What good could come out of there? He's not really excited about following Jesus, but he does it. He decides to accept Philip's recommendation. He, de- he decides to accept Philip's kind of an invitation, if you will. His concerns about where Jesus is from are overridden because of his relationship with Philip. Relationship. It matters, okay, who's talking to you. It matters whose recommendation. It, the, that recommendation, it matters who it's from. So Nathaniel, okay, whether he, he, he feels like, ah, you know... Not really. Are you sure? I mean, what good can come out? I never heard of this guy, Jesus, before. But because of the recommendation of his friend, Philip, that overrides his concern or his lack of enthusiasm about who this Jesus is and where he's from. My good friend, Patty, was the first one um, in my friend group that ever invited me to church because none of my friends went to church. I grew up in an apartment complex in New York and, and none of my, not, no one went to church. Never even talked about going to church. It was not a part of our vocabulary, something we thought about, something that we did. None of the families that lived in the apartment complex went to church. Not one. No one did. 
Patty started going to church until she came back to the apartment complex and we're all standing. I'll never forget. It was like the, it was a, we had all there was four units, four huge units of apartments. And then there was brick that went a little maybe a little cove. OK, that made we were all standing in that cove in the grass and she invited me to church and I went. I've been invited to church before by people in general throughout my life and I declined to go. I went because Patty invited me to church. I'd known her since she was in like fourth grade. We were now in high school. She was going to this church. She invited me. She, and she was, she was trying her best to, to explain who God was and why she's going to church and God. Her theology was awful, okay? She didn't know what she was talking about. I think about it now. I'm thinking, you know, she was like a pantheist or something. I don't know what was going on. She wasn't. She just didn't know what she was saying. She just knew she, she loved this Jesus. She'd only been going for a few months and then she wanted me to go. And I went because of the recommendation of my friend. I did not go when I was encouraged or invited to go by people that I didn't know. And honestly, I didn't particularly like that much because I didn't particularly like anybody that much at that point in my life. But Patty, she asked, I went. Now, when John's two disciples turn to follow Jesus, Jesus then intentionally turns around, right, to engage them. He knows, you know, you're, you're kind of walking, you hear these two guys behind you, whatever. So he stops and he turns around and he engages them. And he asks them a question. He basically says to them, you know, what are you looking for? What are you looking for? Now, he's fully God and fully man. He knew exactly the answer to his question, but he asked the question anyway because he wanted to hear them say it. Okay, he says, so what are you looking for? And he wants to hear them say it. And their answer comes in the form of a question. Where are you staying? He said, Rabbi, where, where are you staying? And I love Jesus' answer. He basically says, come and see. All right? What he's saying to them, in other words, is come and see for yourself. Come and see for yourself. We learn about who Jesus is and what Jesus is like by spending time with him. That's how we learn. Jesus says, come and see. He invites people to investigate. He invites people to spend time with him, to learn about him. He says, come and see. Where are you staying? Well, come and see. Come and see, because we're going to walk all the way there, and we'll talk there, and then you'll see where I'm staying, and we'll interact with each other. He says, come and see. see come and see for yourself. You need to see for yourself. Not hear from other people. You need to see for yourself. It says the two disciples spent that day with him. They spent the entire day with him. They spent time with him. Each of us is invited to spend time with God. Each of us is invited to spend time, if you will, to get to know who Jesus Christ is. The one thing I never bought into was coercing people or tricking people or emotionally charging people up in order to come into a relationship with Christ. I don't need to do that. I say, come and see. See for yourself. Study it for yourself. Spend time with him yourself. Ask God to speak into your heart and into your life all day long. If if you're not a believer, okay, I challenge you. Whatever word you want to use. I challenge you to say, God, show yourself to me. I want to spend time with you. Think about, think about him. 
Take your Bible, start reading the book of Matthew, and start reading about Jesus and what he said and what he did. We are to spend time, if we really want to know, we have to spend time to get to know him. We see that same come and see, that same come and see invitation from Philip to his friend Nathaniel. When he goes and gets Nathaniel, he says, come and see. He says, come and see to Nathaniel's expression of, you know, eh, not really sure about this. Not really sure about this Jesus. Not really sure about all oh, where he's from and all that kind of thing. And what does Philip say? Philip says, why don't you come and see? Come and see. When he expresses that kind of doubt. Just like Jesus said to Andrew, Philip says to Nathaniel, come and see. Come and see. What is he saying? Come and see for yourself. Come and see for yourself. Spend time with him yourself. Um, you don't, don't take my word for it. Come and see. Come and experience him. Come and spend time with him. Meet him yourself. Get to know him. Get to know him on your own. Then you can decide. Once you meet him, once you see him, once you experience him, once you spend time with him, once you learn about him, ask your questions, challenge him, do whatever. Because once you actually engage with Jesus and you come and see, you will be drawn to him. And that's what Philip was saying to Nathaniel. See, in my experience, people don't reject God. They don't reject Jesus Christ based upon the facts. They, they, they reject him based upon their pride, okay, and their ignorance. And I'm not, that's not an aggressive thing to say. Pride in the sense of how many times you talk to people about God, and, they, and when you get right down to it, and they'll tell you this. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to worship or follow a God because I don't want to obey him. I don't want to do what he says. I want to live my life. I want to do what I want to do. Pride. I don't want, I don't want to follow some God. I don't, I don't want to come and see. I don't want to meet. I don't want to engage. I don't want to study. I don't want any, I just don't care. I don't want to because if I do, then I'm going to have to stop doing this and stop doing that and stop doing everything. Their whole, their whole thought process is based on what they're not going to be able to do anymore. I'm my own God. I'll do what I want to do. Pride. And the other is ignorance. And I don't mean ignorance in a real, I'm not being negative. That's stupid. They're not dumb people. They're not non-intellectual. All I'm saying is they don't know. They don't take the time to investigate. They don't take the time to study. They don't take the time to come and see. They, they flat out reject Jesus based upon their, their own kind of thought process. And they say, you know, uh, you know I, don't, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't want to do that with God. It, you know, it, when, you, when you reject something outright or you don't like something, it... I would kind of think of an analogy. It's like saying, you know, ah, I've been to church and um, I, I, I've been to church and I didn't like it. So, you know, Jesus is not for me. I, I, I'm not into I, it's, it's, it's I'm not into Jesus. I just don't you know, I, I'm just not into it. You know, I've been to church. I tried it once and I, I met some people who say they're Christians and, ah, you know, I just, you know, I'm not into Jesus. That's that's like that's like saying I flew into France and into the air, and I saw the airport. I flew into France. I saw the airport. Yeah, France. You know, I'll tell you what. The food, overrated. It was, man. I saw the Eiffel Tower in the, in the gift shop. You know, one, seen one Eiffel Tower. You've seen them all. You know what I'm saying? Not very, nah, not very impressive. You know, I'm not, I'm not into France. 
You've been to France? Well, I've been. To, uh, yeah, I, I have been to France. I went to the airport. Like I said, I ate there. Food, not too good. You know, McDonald's in France, not as good as in America. It's, these people talk about the food there. I'm, it's just France is, I'm, I'm not into France. That's all I can tell you. I'm not into France. That's the same thing. I mean, when someone would say that to you, you'd say, well, you haven't actually been to France. I have, though. I actually have. I actually have been to France personally like two or three times in the airport. Some good chocolate there from all over the world is pretty good, you know. But, you know, France just not my thing. I'm not really into it. If, here's the thing. Say you're here this morning, not a believer. You just, you come because you're kind of checking things out. But I'm, I, my, my question to you is, are you a seeker of truth? That's all I'm interested in. Are you a seeker of truth? If you're a seeker of truth, you need to spend time with Jesus. You need to spend time. You say, I'm a seeker of truth. Well, if you're not going to investigate, what I mean by spending time with Jesus, you need, you need to take the time. You need to be willing to investigate. You need to be willing to ask questions of someone or some people who may have some answers to your questions. Well, if, there, if you say there's a God, then how did and why, how come and why is this and why, does that, why is there suffering and blah, blah, blah. You have all these questions that you think are like, oh, these stumping questions that no one could ever answer. But you You'd never asked them. You'd never asked them. Well, if there's a God, then why? Okay, you've, you've thought it in your mind, and maybe you've asked your friends in a circle of people who are not followers of Christ either. Okay, and they're like, yeah, I know what you mean. Why is there suffering? If there's a God, there'd be no suffering. But no one ever, you never really sat down and you never really were, you never opened up a Bible and asked the same question or sat down with someone who knew what they were talking about and asked the question. You need to investigate. If you're a seeker of truth, a seeker of truth, then you need to investigate. You need to ask the questions. You need to study the facts. You need to consider, you honestly need to consider who Jesus is. Who did Jesus say he was? He said he is the son of God, fully God and fully man, someone who can forgive sin, someone who died and was resurrected, all those things. So here's the thing. Jesus says, here's who I am. All right. I am. I am the way he said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one can come to the father, but by me. Well, that's kind of exclusive. It, it, absolutely. Prove him wrong. Is he the only way to the Father or is he not? And you can't just, you can if you want. Well, you know, I don't like that. That makes me feel uncomfortable when someone says something like that. That's not a seeking truth. Is what he says true or is it not true? C.S. Lewis said it pretty clearly. Jesus is, a, is either a liar, he's a liar. He, you say, well, he's a good person. Don't call him a liar. I'm going to tell you something. He's either a liar, a liar, a lunatic, or he's the Lord of all. That's your three options. You can't get around that. You can't say, this guy who lied, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He re- all the things that Jesus said, all the miracles, you can't say that someone who lied through his teeth his entire life is, uh, is, is a good person. He's a liar. He's a bull-faced liar. He's a complete lunatic, or he's the Lord. Those are your three options. All I'm saying to you is that you're a seeker of truth, Seek the truth. Seek out people who at least know a little more than you. And when they run out of answers, seek people who know more than them. Keep seeking. But don't say you flew into France and you saw the airport and the food stinks in France. 
That's as, that's about as logical as I'm not into Jesus. Well, Jesus is into you. Okay. He is. He is into you. He loves you. He created you. He designed you. He wants a relationship with you. Okay, and this whole thing that I can't do what I want to do if I follow Christ, you get to do, you, you are covered with the blood of Christ. I can do anything I want. Here's the difference. I choose not to at this point. Because I love him so much for what he's done for me. I choose not to. My ticket is punched for heaven. Period. Doesn't matter what I do the rest of my life. You say, well, that's not... You can say whatever you want. My ticket, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. My, my, my destiny is sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. Okay, my future is already written. I'm done. I can do anything I want. I just choose not to. I have complete freedom in Christ. Total freedom in Christ. Do anything I want. I just choose not to. Because I know what's best for me. I know what's best for the people around me. I know what's best for the next generation. And I know it honors God when I choose to be obedient to him. But if I choose not to be, I'm not going to hell. I know where I'm going. I have freedom in Jesus Christ. Don't let Satan lie to you about why you shouldn't come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're an honest seeker. You need, you need, you need to spend time with Jesus. And God wants us all to spend personal time with him. Okay? God the Father wants every single person in this room to spend and to seek in that personal way. Listen, I know some people have been in church situations. Your, your last church or the church you went to 10 years ago is not Jesus. Okay? Okay? Your friends, your neighbors, your whoever, your uh, relative who said they're a Christian and you don't like the way they behave, that's, they're not Jesus, okay? The, the, the pastor who, who did something that you didn't appreciate or hurt your feelings or was spiritually abusive, honestly, in some cases, is not Jesus. Don't, don't base your whole, exi- your whole foundation of what you're going to believe and why you're going to believe it based on someone else. That's not Jesus. The church is not, okay, Jesus is Jesus. Base your, base your experiences. And all I find fascinating, too, and he, hear me out for a second, because I'm not trying to be whatever, but um, why is it that you will base all of your, your found, the foundation of your, of your future existence, you're going to weigh, okay, you're going to take a chance on heaven and hell based upon, my friends said they were Christian and they, they were hypocrites, so forget Jesus. How about you base, how about you base, your experience on Jesus on me. I'm not being arrogant. Paul said, follow my examples, I'll follow the example of Christ. So why don't you, why don't you do this? Why don't you, take by faith, the faith that I have, why don't you by faith, okay, jump up as much faith as you have and walk and, and, and follow Jesus and, and get to know Christ, okay? And then when you want to look at someone, look at me. Because what will happen is when I fall short, I will come to you and I will apologize and say, you know, I'm not, I'm not perfect. I made a mistake and I'll explain the mistake that I made and I'll ask for your forgiveness and I'll ask forgiveness of God and you'll see an example. But why is it that you, that you'll pick the most hypocritical person that you know and base your eternal destiny on them, but you won't base it on Mother Teresa, you won't base it on Billy Graham, you won't base it on someone who lived an exemplary life their whole life, okay, and lived for Jesus their entire life. Why don't you base it on one of those folks? I don't, I, do you know, you know why you won't? I, hear me, I, I love you to death. 
Know why you won't? Because it's so much easier to just go pick on someone who fell short, and then you got a free card. It's like going to stand before God and pull out your card and say, well, the only reason I didn't, I didn't believe in you is because that person over there, it's not going to work. Just so you know, it won't work. It ain't going to work. There's no card you're going to pull out at that time. Because he's going to say, did you get to know me? Come and see. He didn't say, come and see. Nathaniel didn't say, or or Philip didn't say, come and see me. Let me tell you all about it. Okay? John didn't say, come and see. Jesus said, come and see. Come and experience. Come get to know me. Okay? The body of Christ is awesome. There's wonderful people. There's wonderful people in the body of Christ. There's also people hypocritical. All of us at some point. Right? But we're not Jesus. So stop picking on everybody else and saying the reason I don't. That's, that's a lame excuse for not believing in something. Come up with something better, okay? Really. Come up with something better than that. Well, the invitation to consider Jesus comes from others, it ultimately, it's ultimately our decision to follow him. The book of John, honestly, it invites us. We talked, we were reading here, but the book of John invites us. It invites us to, to follow after him, to ask those kinds of questions. It, invi- it invites us to ask who Jesus is and why should I follow him? Who is Jesus? That's the question it invites you to ask. Who is Jesus and why should I follow him? And this leads to another important question. Do you remember, do you remember when you first started following Jesus Christ? Think about it. Go back in your mind. When you first started following Jesus... Who are the people in your faith story that basically had the greatest, that played the greatest role, okay, or had a significant role in your decision to follow Christ? Because we always, we talk about, you know, some hypocritical, whatever else, but who, think about that. Who are the people in your life that played the greatest role, okay, in leading you closer to him? Who, who started you? Who started you? Think about it. Everyone think about this. Who started you down your spiritual path? God usually works through specific people when it comes to, when it comes to drawing us into a relationship with himself. Each of us can go back to, you know, before high school or in high school or in college or after college, but there were people all along the way that were, would witness to who Christ was and you ignored him for a while, but after something happened where they planted a seed, they planted a seed, they planted a seed or multiple people planted seeds and all of a sudden you said for you, you decided to look into it for yourself. You decided to follow Jesus for you. You decided to come and see for yourself, but there were people who were planting seeds. Who were those people? Who are those people? Because God usually works through specific people to draw us into a relationship with himself. And that's exactly what happened in our story this morning. John got the ball rolling, right? He said, look, the Lamb of God. Look there, the Lamb of God. It was his confession. It was John's confession. Jesus walks by and John confesses to the disciples. He says, look, the Lamb of God. And this is what I mean by confession. When 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 I use the word confession, it's declaring personally, okay, and publicly that Jesus is the Son of God. That's what John was doing. When I say confess, we need to confess Christ. You're declaring publicly and personally, okay, 
It's a personal confession. It is a, it is a, it is a, it is a public confession that Jesus is the Son of God. We are all called, every single person in this room who knows Christ is called to confess Christ, if you will, through our words and our actions. And I'm picking on, I wasn't picking on, but I was just making a statement before how people will say, well, that person was a hypocrite. You know, they shouldn't, they shouldn't gear, they shouldn't um, make a decision about Christ based upon us as individuals. But honestly, it just shows you how important it is for us to live out a faithful life in front of other people. Because I'm, I'm saying, hey, you shouldn't do that. But at the same time, I'll say this even more forcefully. We shouldn't live in such a way that we are being hypocrites, honestly. You're saying you're a follower of Jesus Christ. The Bible says if you say you're a follower of Jesus, then you're an ambassador of Christ. Can you imagine the American ambassador to whatever country going over there and, and just making us look awful, saying things that aren't true? So here's the American way and then going over there and doing all kinds of things that are just really disrespectful to their culture and everything else. You're an ambassador for Jesus Christ. Which means you are, you, people, whether, human beings do this, they will judge God, they will judge Christ on how we behave. If we say we're a follower of Him, then they're going to judge us on our behavior. They shouldn't judge God on our behavior, but they're going to. Which makes us responsible, okay, that we should be living a life that honors God in everything that we do. So it's declaring personally and publicly that Jesus is the Son of God. And we are all called, every single priest, say, I'm not an evangelist. I didn't ask if you were. You're a follower of Jesus. You're called to confess him to other people. That's why when we come to belief in Jesus Christ, we get baptized afterward. That's why we do that. We, get, we come to Jesus and we get baptized. It's a public declaration of our faith in Jesus Christ. It is saying to everyone around us, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. It is a public proclamation that Jesus is the Lord of our lives. We proclaim that Jesus is the Lord of our lives. That's why we don't get baptized in a closet. Who here was, raise your hand if you were baptized in a closet. Right. We are publicly baptized because we're, we're outwardly expressing the inward reality of who we are. We are followers of Jesus Christ. At Grace Chapel, we do, we do like, um, personal baptisms, if you will, or, you know, like, what do you call them? Pri- like, we'll, we'll have a private baptism. But even a private baptism that's not in front of the whole congregation, your friends and family are there. So even a private baptism, there's friends and family there that you can say, I am, I am proclaiming to all of you that I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I also am not a big fan, okay, because this kind of ties into it. I'm not a big fan of comments like, my faith is private. Yeah, see, I, I come, to, but my faith, it's private. I don't talk about Jesus with anybody. I don't, I don't really talk of my faith. I don't talk about, because it's so personal. So instead of telling you why I don't appreciate those comments, let me just quote Jesus, okay? Because that has more weight. In Matthew 10, 32 and 33, Jesus said, whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me, before others, I will also disown before my Father in heaven. 
There is no such thing as, I never talk about my faith. I never share my faith. I never talk about Jesus. I never, 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 because it's personal, because it's private. Well, it is personal, because you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But show me one place in the Bible, one place, anywhere, where a follower of Jesus Christ said, well, I, now I'm a follower of Christ. Jesus, Jesus even told people after they were healed, right now, don't say anything. Okay, what did they do? They're like running over their nearest town and they start, yeah, remember I was blind and look at it, remember I lay with, now it's like, weren't you the guy who couldn't walk? Jesus said, right now, he ran ahead, they, they didn't listen to him at all. They told, why? Because they had to proclaim the greatness of God, what happened to them. When the Holy Spirit lives in you, when you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you want to tell people about it. As a matter of fact, ask people in my family, I was annoying Okay, I had to learn, Greer, shut your mouth, okay? No one could be around me. When I first got saved, I moved to Virginia because that was my plan. When I got there, there was like, we moved to the middle of this field in this like middle of nowhere. And there were cows and there was some chickens and, and you know, I saw a couple of squirrels. But they didn't understand me. I wanted to tell them all about Jesus and they didn't understand. When I got back, man, I, was ta- I talked to my, everybody in my family knew who Jesus was, right? Before I got saved, no one in my family were believers in Jesus Christ. After I got saved, there's only a few left that aren't. Why? Because I'm fired up about it. Because we are, it's personal, yes, but we need to be able to, we need to talk about it. We need to share the good news at work or at home or at school with our neighbors and our friends. We need to share this good news. It, here's the thing. If it's in you, it needs to get outside of you. Okay? If it's in you, if he's in you, it needs to get outside. It can't stay. It cannot stay hidden. If it's good news, good news. If you have good news, what do you do? You share it. I won the lottery. How many? Well, then you you kind of keep that. You know, everybody. It's like you know. It's like well, everybody's gonna want my money. But after a while, you have to share it. If you something good happens to you, if you win a car, a new car. You know, if something good happens to you, I got a promotion. Who here gets a promotion or gets something they really wanted all their lives or gets engaged or is getting whatever and keeps it to themselves? Here's here here's women. I've noticed this about women who get engaged. They walk around like this. Actually, it's like this, right? What do they do? This is how they walk around for months. You know what I mean? It's like, what's wrong with that woman? It's like, right? They want to share it, man. It's exciting news. You want to share good. You want to share good news. God's gift. Listen to me. If you're going, if you have a gift, God's gift must be what? Given away. It must be given away. But when you have the love of Christ, when you have the love of Christ, the cool thing about the love of Christ is the more you give away, the more you get. The more you give, the more you get. The more you have to give away. That's what God is saying. You have to give it away. Remember your Sunday school class? Hide it. What did it say? Hide it under a bushel. Someone sing it. Right. Yeah, look at everybody's like scared. Ah, hide it under a bushel. No, let's, do it. Let's, do it. let's go back like 25 or 30 years, right? Hide it under a bushel. I'm going to let it shine, right? That's it. Where do you think Jen gets it from? You hear that singing? Man, I was like, you see me dancing too. I'm good. All right. So hide it under a bushel. No, man, I'm going to let it shine. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. That's the song. When we confess Jesus Christ, he awakens the hearts of other people to do the same. That's the thing. It's catchy. How many times have you been in your class 
where they say, what did you do in your summer vacation? Or what's your favorite person? Who's your hero? Superman, Spider-Man, whatever. And you're little. And someone says, Jesus. And then the next four. And I, I want to change my answer. Oh, Jesus is my hero too. Next person says, Jesus. Honestly, because the believers in the room, they feel confident. Someone, and they're saying, yes, I agree. It awakens them to consider Christ. It awakens them to share Christ. Our testimonies are an invitation to consider the one who touched and changed our lives. When we, when we give a testimony, and I'm not talking about you have to sit there and share the four spiritual law. You know what I'm saying? I'm just saying when you share your testimony about what God has done for you, it inspires other people. It it gets people. It gets people thinking. To, they start to cons, they start to consider the one who has changed your life, the one who has touched your life. When you say, when you say, this is what God did in my life. It's just your story. Even in this culture, no one's going to challenge your story. They'll even they'll say, well, that's your story. That's your whatever. But that's, it is your story. They're not going to challenge your story. This is what God did in my life. This is how God answered my prayer. The doctor gave me only a 20% chance of survival. And you know what? I've been healed. How can people argue with your story? That's your story, right? You have a story. When you share that, it opens up other people to consider. It draws people into. It's, it's Philip going to Nathaniel, right? It's Andrew going to Peter and saying, come and see. Just, I'm, I'm just telling you what I saw. You have to check it out for yourself. But it makes people, it challenges people, it encourages people to consider, okay, what you're saying. When we testify to the work of God in our lives, it invites other people to do the same. It encourages other people to be drawn to him. God, here's the cool thing too. God spreads the good news primarily through ordinary people, okay, in ordinary situations, Ordinary people in ordinary situations. You don't have to go street witnessing down in Cincinnati on a Saturday. You can if you want to, but you don't really have to. There's plenty of people around you that you can just talk to in ordinary people in ordinary circumstances. It's you're on the fence post talking to your neighbor. And you just think of something that you can say that, you know, my, our church, I'm going on a missions trip and we're going to work with orphans down in, in Nigeria or in Mexico. Or we're going to do this. We're gonna, and uh, it's, boy, it's such an incredible, so much. Have you ever, have you ever gone on a trip like that? Well, no, I never have. You should try it sometime. It's just really, it's just really life changing. Boom. It's when you invite your friends, your neighbors, your family over for a meal. You pray. When I worked at Exxon, this is now years and years ago. Um, I worked at Exxon and my supervisor, his boss came to town and he wanted to check out. We were doing really well in our stores and he was, I guess, coming for just a nice, pleasant visit to say, hey, good job or whatever. And we went out to lunch together. And at lunch, I thought to myself, I'm going to pray. I always pray. I don't, he, you know, what is he going to do, fire me? So I said, hey, do you mind if I pray? And he's like, oh, no, not at all. And he can, he pray, we pray together. He goes, yeah, that's really nice. You know, well, I, haven't, I haven't seen anybody pray since my grandfather. We used to pray all the time around dinner. And, you know, and he was very pleasant about it. When I went to Washington a few weeks ago, one of, the, one, of the, one of the only things I cared about going to Washington was when I get there, they're inviting, they know I'm a pastor, they're inviting me. I am not going to hold back on, and if, if, if I can bring up Jesus Christ and I can bring up God in these conversations, I'm going to. And if they don't like it and don't invite me back, well, that's okay. 
But I am not going to be one of those people, well, gee, if I say this, maybe it'll be too offensive. Maybe they won't invite me back. Oh, tough. I don't care. If they don't want to invite me back, don't invite me back. But I'm not going to be, I'm going to be a follower of Jesus Christ, whether I'm there or whether I'm with my boss or whether I'm in front of you. I am, I am a follower of Jesus. I can't be anything other than that. So it's just normal circumstance. I went to Washington, talk about Jesus. And I did. I, I, you know, go out to eat. You know, if I have an opportunity to pray, I'm, I'm going to pray. Those are the simple things, just the simple, practical things of life. Taking your friends, kids to soccer. You know, you don't have to share again the gospel with them in the, like, you know, just go through the, you can just talk about something that it, at least gets their minds moving in a spiritual direction. Anything that shows them how much God loves them. You know what you say? Hey guys, when they're going to, I'm going to be, I'll pray for every single, you guys have a great game, brother. You guys have a great prayer. I'm going to pray that no one gets, and just, just say something that encourages them to know who you are. See, he just chooses to work through ordinary circumstances in our lives. And that cool thing is, here's the cool thing. That means we can all participate. Every single one of us can participate. It doesn't mean that you have to be perfect. All you need to be, all people care about, is that you're authentic, okay, and you're honest. Just be honest and authentic. You don't need to know it all. You don't need to have all the answers. Just be honest and be authentic. The fact is that the people, the people that are around us are more likely to consider Jesus Christ they are more likely to consider Jesus Christ if it comes from someone that they know and someone that they trust. Come and see. Come and see. The recommendation of someone that they trust, this means that the people you have around you, okay, have the, you, ha- you have the best chance of introducing people to Christ if they are people that you know and that trust you. Again, you don't have to jam it down their throat. No one wants to coerce anyone, but they know you, they trust you. There's the greatest opportunity you have, okay, to lead someone closer to God. Evangelism is best when it happens through relationship. That's when it's best, when it happens through a relationship where people can interact with you. I'm going to tell you something. If you saw me before I, became, before I became a follower of Jesus Christ, you would think I am not talking to that guy about God. He is not going to receive it. He's not going to be open to it. Honestly, guys, you have no idea what people are feeling and going through. And some of the toughest, some of the most foul mouth, some of the most angry people in the world are that way because they have been through so much in their lives and they desperately need someone to be, to be, have the boldness just to open up and share something that they need. I needed that. I, 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 I always believed there was a God out there somewhere. No one ever told me about him. No one told me about him. Because who, why would I want to follow, you know, look at him. He's not going to, oh, he's going to, he's going to go off on me if I tell him about Jesus. I don't Look at me now, for goodness sake, right? Jesus asked John's disciples, what are you looking for? And here's the thing. He asked every single one of us the same question. Because every single person on this planet is looking for something. Every person on this planet was created by God to, to, to be in relationship with him. They're created to need him. Even if they fight it, they're created to need him and to be in a relationship with him. If I'm, I'm, I'm kind of not quoting Pascal, 
um, it's kind of a paraphrase, but Pascal said that 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 there is a a kind of a um, a God-shaped vacuum, if you will, in the heart of every person that only God can fill. There's this heart-shaped vacuum. I had a vacuum in my heart that only God could fill. Thank God someone who didn't know theology from anything, okay, and got most of the things wrong they said to me, had the courage and the love, because you're sharing the love of Jesus Christ. You're not sharing the theology of Jesus Christ. I don't know anybody who's been argued into heaven, but I know a lot of people have been loved into heaven by sharing the good news. Every person on this planet needs Christ. And I don't care what culture we're in right now, we need Christ. And if you're sitting here and you're wondering who this Jesus is, he invites you, he invites you to follow him. Come and see. He's inviting you to spend time with him. He's inviting you to get to know him. And eventually, eventually, he wants to be the Lord of your life. He wants to be the director of your life. He wants you to stop making the decisions that you're making now that will keep adding up to the point where you're going to be older and you're going to go, what is this all about? This has been a total waste of time. And you're, you're going to fi- he doesn't want you to find that out later. He wants you to come to him now and he wants to guide and direct you now. And it all starts where our story started this morning. It all starts where we started this morning with Jesus' initial response to those two disciples of John. Come and see. Come and see. Come and see. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this time we can spend together. Thanks for the opportunity to give us just to be here, Lord, and to, to worship you and to get to know you. I pray, dear God, I pray, dear God, that each one of us would have the courage to share the love of your son with others and that everyone here who doesn't know you, Lord God, would seek truth, would seek after truth, because I know if they seek truth, they're going to find you. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week.